0: You are listening to audio from Community Bible Church of Savannah. If you would like to find out more information about our church, please visit us at cbcsavannah.com. We are in the book of Judges still. We'll finish in two weeks. Praise the Lord. It's it's been a heavy series, y'all. I don't know about you. I'm like, I'm worn out. I'm like, I'm sick of these knuckleheads, but then I feel like I'm a knucklehead, so I guess God could say the same about me. Um, we're gonna finish up this book in just a couple of weeks and jump into our summer series, uh, which will be a little bit less violent and uh, less people getting heads lopped off and things. So, But we're gonna be in chapter 17. And just so you, so you kind of are ready, next week we're gonna cover uh, chapters 18 through 21, three chapters. It's like a big chunk of scripture, but it's all one narrative. If you've never read it, it's scary. I mean, it's just—it's a, it's a very dark story. You're gonna read it and be like, I can't believe this is in the Bible. Oh, it's in the Bible. Um, but uh, we're gonna talk about that next week. But just we're gonna have to move quickly and summarize a lot next week because it's three chapters. And so just try to read through one or two times just so you kind of know where we're going. Uh, but we're gonna be in 17 and 18 this week. Um, there's certain things in life that are just better homemade, right? Uh, that you, the DIY, do-it-yourself, uh, you know, improvise. Chocolate chip cookies, that's one of them, right? Better homemade. Mac and cheese, that's better homemade. Uh, Maybe some of you uh, doing some artwork or or some crafts around the house, better homemade. Not that personal touch. Lasagna, if you're from the North and are Italian. If you're not, just buy Stouffer's. But if you're from the North and you got some Italian jeans in there, you can make your own lasagna. Better, right? And then there's certain things you should never improvise. You should never do at home, right? You should leave it to the professionals. Deodorant, right? Don't make your own deodorant, it doesn't work. You may think it does, it doesn't, right? Cereal, I mean you can't improve on Lucky Charms. You just can't. Fruit Loops, you might as well not try. Um, don't make your own airplane. And if you do, don't ask anyone to fly in it. Uh, just, you know, just, just saying. Um, and there's and there's, you know, there's obviously certain foods that are that are better. Hot dogs, don't make your own hot dogs. I mean, that's dangerous. We don't even know what's in the real hot dogs, let alone you make your hot dogs. So, so certain things are good to do at home, good for improvising other things you just don't do that right we're going to see a text today where uh, the people of Israel or some of them are going to improvise on something that they should you should never you don't play with it you don't do it yourself you don't improvise religion they're going to come up with a their own kind of do it yourself homemade religion and it's going to be a recipe for disaster for them and for those around them and here's here's the question we have to ask we got to be honest with ourselves this morning do we do the same thing? Do we ever kind of m- improvise, do it ourselves, a little homemade, a little here, a little, we'll make our own recipe. And it, it may not look the same as it's going to in this kind of Old Testament story, but I think if we're honest, we, we do the same thing. And so here's what I'm gonna do, we're, I'm, we're gonna, just gonna work through the passage, I'm gonna show you how we do do it, because I think we do, and then what it looks like, and then just give some reasons why, it's just we, we need to be aware of it and we need to, to not do it, all right, because it's a recipe for disaster. Judges 17 and 18. And we've come to the end of the book, there's actually no more judges. All the judges are gone, right? You get a, two judges in the next book for First Samuel, a guy named Eli is a judge, and then Samuel is technically the last judge, but we got no more judges. What we have now at the end of this book is two stories. It's kinda two appendices that give you, the reader, just a snapshot, what was, if you're ever wondering, like, what was life like? living in the time of the judges? What is it like to be the average Joe and Jane living in the Ephraim mountains and just kinda living life? What is it like? This is, this is the stories. And it's, it, it's like, it's dark. I mean, back in the 80s, there's these movies, Tales from the Dark Side, remember those? I don't know if you, you don't watch them, they're probably horrible, I don't I haven't seen them, but, but this is Tales from the Dark Side. I mean, you got murder, rape, adultery, lying, Thieving. I mean, it's, these are these are dark stories, and and the, the, the it's important for us to remember is this is the people of God. This is like a couple generations from Moses parting the Red Sea and the ten and the plagues and the ten commandments. This is just a few years later, and it's not the story of the Philistines. It's not the Ammonites. It's not the Moabites. These are God's people, and and what it is is it's a perfect example of of when everyone does what's right in their own eyes. And you play that tape out, this is what you get. It's Lord of the Flies. It's chaos, right? And so another reminder for us is, man, God is, is gracious. He keeps sending these people saviors. I mean, you know, we get little pieces with Gideon and, and, and you know, Ehud and all these guys. This, when you start seeing what's going on, you're like, God continues to save these people. Man, is he gracious. That's the point. Yes, he is. So let's jump in and kind of unpack these narratives real quick. We're going to kind of move real fast. So verse one and two. There was a man in the hill country of Ephraim whose name was Micah. Not the same name, the same prophet guy. There is a prophet named Micah. This is not him. His name ironically means who is like Yahweh. This guy's not like Yahweh. All right. And he said to his mother, the 1100 pieces of silver which were taken from you about which you uttered a curse and you also spoke it in my ears. Behold, the silver is with me. I took it. And his mother said, blessed be my son by the Lord. So what you have is, so this guy named Micah, he's living in his mama's house and she's got the Dave Ramsey envelopes. And he finds the Dave Ramsey envelopes and he raids the Dave Ramsey envelopes. He takes 1,100 pieces of silver, which is like 100 years of salary. So it's big bucks. So he snakes his mama's money and she comes to get some money out of the envelopes and she starts cursing, but not like that, Bleepy bleep, somebody stole it. She utters a curse like, may God judge the person who stole my money by making their nose melt off or something. She just utters a curse. He hears the curse, he gets scared. He's like, man, my nose is gonna fall off. And he goes to his mom and says, mom, I got the money. I'm the one who stole it. And his mother says, blessed be my son. You are a honest, good thief. Praise God for you, son, right? And, and, And so she blesses him and then verse three, uh, boop, there we go. And he restored the 1,100 pieces of silver and his mother said, I dedicate the silver to the Lord. It sounds so good, right, so Christian. I give this 1,100 pieces of silver to Yahweh. He, she's the covenant name of God, she's, she's all religious. And so she says, God, you've returned my money so I dedicate it to you so that I can go and do the exact opposite of what you say in your word. I'm gonna make a carved image. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a metal image right? She blows off the first two of the Ten Commandments, right? Remember the Ten Commandments? I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. You shall have no other gods before me. That's number one. Number two, you shall not make for yourself a carved image of any likeness. Don't make any statues, nothing that represents me, right? So she says, praise God, I'm going to dedicate this money to God so that I can blow off exactly what God has told me to do, right? Great. Verse four. So when He restored the money to his mother. His mother took the 200 pieces of silver. I don't know what happened to the other 900. Maybe it's dedicated to her savings account. I have no clue. But she only gives 200 and gives it to a silversmith who made it into a carved image and a metal image. Now she's got two gods, two for the price of one. And it was in the house of Micah. And the man Micah had a shrine. Literally, the word is a house of God. He's got his own little temple, which is a problem because God at this point had said, if you're gonna come worship me, you come to this place called Shiloh where the tabernacle is, and that is where you worship. Micah said, I don't know if I wanna go all the way to Shiloh. So he, he got his own little uh, Mr. Miyagi dojo in the back. He puts his gods in it. And he says, well, if I'm gonna have my own little dojo and my own little gods, then I need an ephod because, you know, priests wear ephods. An ephod, remember, was this, There's is a picture of an ephod. It was this little breastplate thing had the 12 tribes of Israel represented in the stones, little stone on the shoulder for each, Six names on each one of the tribes. This was worn by the high priest. The high priest was the go-between between God and the people. Micah says, I'm, I'm gonna be the go, go-between. So I need myself an ephod, right? And then he, then he makes his son his priest. A little nepotism, right? Well, I'll just, I'll just make my own son the priest, right? We'll keep it in the family. We got the ephod, got the Mr. Miyagi dojo, got, the, got everything we need for our little house of religion and 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 for us this is kind of foreign for for a jewish reader they would hear this and it would make them gasp because you can't you can't just make your son the priest. I can't just say to my I can't just make my kid, "Oh, all okay, right, you're a doctor now." Use the living room for your offices, uh we use the kitchen for the operating table. Um, you're a doctor. I can't do that. I don't get to just do that. There's a process, there's rules, there's laws. You can't just make your own Little gods, you can't just make your own priest, but they do it because there's no king in Israel and everyone does what's right in their own eyes, right? No one's gonna stop me. I can do what I want. Homemade religion, homemade. God is clear. This is how you do it. I got this thing called a tabernacle and I don't have time to unpack the tabernacle, but there's seven... Articles in the tabernacle, it's enclosed, you come through one door because there's only one way in and first thing you see is an altar and there's uh, sacrifices and the next thing you see is this little basin where you wash your hands and it pictures purity and then there's a curtain that separates the holy place from the courtyard and you go in in the curtain if you're a priest only and there's this table over here with bread and there's this candle over here and there's an altar of incense which pictures prayer and then beyond that there's another veil where the Ark of the Covenant is and only high priests can go in once a year right, until Indiana Jones found it, and then he's got it in DC, right? But, but there, this is the way that you approach God. I, he's been very clear. This is the way I want you to do it. And the reason why is because all is picturing in some ways the work of Christ and what he was gonna do. But he says, this is how you do it. Micah and his mom say, we don't like that. I mean, we like part of it. So we'll take some of it. We'll take the ephod part. We like that, we like it's kind of fancy. And we'll take the name of Yahweh, we'll take God's covenant name, and we'll even take the title priest, and we'll take this piece and we'll kind of mix and match and we'll make our own little homemade deal. Right? Homemade religion. But what's the problem with this? It's the same problem of all homemade religion. Who's in charge? Really? I am. Who's the one who makes who calls the shots? Who, who says what's right, who says what's wrong? Who's in authority? I'm in authority. And so if I'm the one in authority and I'm calling the shots, then who's the one really being worshiped? Me. That's the problem with homemade worship. You end up worshiping me, yourself. So it's really about, because I'm in charge and I do what's right in my eyes. And the whole point of this book is, it shows you when, when there's no godly authority, when people are left to themselves, they will rarely, if never, align themselves to God. They will do what is right in their own eyes and it's just chaos, it's Lord of the Flies. It's just nutso. It's like the, my first day as a school teacher, I remember it vividly, this is why I'm not a school teacher anymore. So I show up and I'm hired mid-year. I, was, I came in in January, the guy before me, he, he had not been teaching really, he had been rolling the, the kickball out for like six years. So the kids were used to chaos. And I show up at nine o'clock on a Monday morning thinking I got all this paperwork and training to go through. And they say, okay, your first class is in an hour. I'm like, I've never taught before. I mean, I got a degree, but that doesn't mean I can do anything because everyone's got degrees and we can't do anything. So, I mean, so I'm like, what am I supposed to do? I don't, I don't even know. I mean, and I, so I show up and I just kind of do what they're used to. And they just ran in and it was just chaos. I had fourth graders just, I mean, there was kids going down. I mean, it was kind of cool, dodgeball kind of feel, balls flying, and, you know, very, very old school. But it was chaos, and I realized real quick, I gotta establish some authority or this place is gonna be nuts. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go crazy. So I set rules up, and I had the kids standing at attention, my military college background, and, and they would sit there, and one at a time would go in, and if they said one word, everyone got back out, and we'd walk around the school, and they hated me, but I got it structured so that it was not Lord of the Flies. There had to be authority, right? Human nature, when we are left to our own, it's chaos. Because everyone wants to be a part of something they create. Everyone wants to be in charge. Everyone wants to determine how this should go. And that's fine, I guess, in the real world. This is why some of you are like, "Ah, I wanna start my own business. Great, that's awesome. But it's not good when it comes to religion. You don't get to define God, right? You don't get to to say, This is what this is what I think about God. This is how I'm going to worship. You have to have someone who speaks from the outside. This is why, for our model of discipleship, we have our specs. The first first one, the S is scripture, that we put ourselves under this. Right? Because my sheep hear my voice. They listen to me. They follow me. There's got to be an authority from outside. Micah and his mom are like, eh, we're going to create our own deal we gonna do our own thing. Kind of a mix and match. And so here's the question. You ever do that? I mean, honestly. And you say, oh no, we're community Bibles. We never, now other churches, they may do that. And if you're visiting, some of our visitors this morning, maybe they're guilty of that, but not me. I would, I would never like create my own little dojo in the back with, with gods and bow down to them and put a little ephod on. Okay. But here's, here's kind of what, If we were guilty, which we're probably not, but if we were, here's what it may look like, all right? We might say something like, well, I've prayed about this, and I have a peace with it, so we're gonna move in together. See what I did there? I prayed about it, so I've invoked the name of God, and then I'm gonna go do exactly the opposite. I've prayed about this, and I know he's not a believer, but I'm going to marry him, because I have a peace about it. It's all about my peace about it. It doesn't matter what God says. So we just invoke the name of God. We kind of bring him into that deal. And then we go do what we want. It's the same thing. It just looks different. Or we pull a Thomas Jefferson. Remember Thomas Jefferson? Founding father. He wrote, we hold these truths to be self-evident. that All men are created equal. There's a creator and we're like, ooh, he's Christian. He used the God term. All men are created equal. That's why he can go buy and sell them. Right? So you see what he did there? He he used the creator, so we're like, oh, But then he treated people unequal by owning them. He he ends up taking the Bible, the New Testament, and you know what Jefferson does? He starts snipping it. I don't like this part. Take that out. I like this part. Would we ever do do that? I mean, in our culture, would we ever say, yeah, I'll take this piece, I'll take this Jesus, but "Ah, I don't like this Jesus, Right? Are we ever guilty of that? Um, let me encourage the younger folks in the room, because this is your, you know, th- your generation, is, this is in your faith, this is in your grill, I get it. But there's this idea that you can just say, well, I'll take the grace and love, Jesus. But when we talk about, like, sexuality and gender issues and, and this over here, no, 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 we're not going to deal with that. Jesus never really talked about that. Jesus never really said anything. Paul didn't really mean, and so what we've done is we'll take this, but we've done the same thing Jefferson's done, right? We just kind of snip out the pieces we like. I like this, I don't like that. And, and there, is, there is some truth to the fact that there's a lot of issues that we're facing today that are very culturally, Jesus never said anything about abortion. He doesn't use, there's no verse in the Bible where Jesus says abortion is this. He never says anything about uh, transgender. He, he doesn't mention all these terms. But the rest of scripture is clear on, on what God says. And, and when someone says, well Jesus never said that, it's a misunderstanding of scripture because what scripture teaches, Peter says that the spirit of Christ is the one who is moving through all the writers of the Bible. So the spirit of Christ is moving through Moses. The spirit of Christ is moving through Samuel. The spirit of Christ is moving through Isaiah. The spirit of Christ is moving through Peter and Paul and, and all these people. And so Jesus may not have said it in one of the gospels, but if it says it elsewhere, then it's Jesus saying it, right? And, and so we gotta say, what does it say? What does Jesus say? And to say, oh, he never said this or it never, it sounds very much like Genesis three. Did, did God really say, it? God didn't really say that when Satan comes to the, Adam and Eve, Right? Or, or here's another thing I hear a lot. Well, I don't know if I, I, don't know if I can believe in a God that, that does that. The God that I worship, you ever heard that? The God that I worship. So you're now the one who gets to determine who God is and what he's like. And there's this whole idea of, well, they're really sincere. They're, just, they're so sincere about it. They're so passionate about it. There's a lot of people that are super sincere and they are sincerely mistaken including myself. This week I called, I called my wife. I said, honey, I need you to go into, the, into the, the, the closet and find this folder and I need you to get this birth certificate out. It's in there. I know it's in there because I always put everything back when I use it. And I'm the only one who does that. So I'm the one who used it last. I know for a fact it's in there. So you looked, and she said, I don't see it in there. I said, honey, it's in there. I promise you. I put it there. I put it back. I always put everything back. And she looked again and she said, I, I'm telling you, it's not in there. I said, no, you're wrong. And then I get to my office and guess what's sitting on my desk? The birth certificate. So I was sincere. I was sincerely mistaken and I had to say, I'm sorry, that was not, that was a good one, right? right? Sincerity, it, it, it's great, but that doesn't mean you're right. I, I saw a great quote by Booker T. Washington this week. He said this, a lie doesn't become truth, a wrong doesn't become right, and evil doesn't become good, just because it's accepted by a majority. Truth is either true or not, right? And, and homemade, right, it, it doesn't work. I and mean, we say, okay, well, maybe we're a community Bible church, so we would never cut scripture, we would never, no, of course, it's all God's work, right? But here's what, here's what we'll do, we'll cherry pick passages. We'll take the passages we are like we like, and we'll just kind of blow off the ones that like, ooh, I don't know if I want to deal with that. So yeah, so patience, yeah, that's good. Gentleness, yeah, I love that. Grace, yeah. Um, cutting off my right hand if my right hand causes me to stumble, no. That whole like, if you uh, lust after a woman in your heart, you've committed adultery, yeah, let's skip that passage, right? Live with your spouse, live with your wife in an understanding way, no, we'll, we'll blow that one off children, obey your parents. We'll go to the ones we like. Or we'll say, yeah, we need to give, we need to tithe, we need to be these, doing these things. We'll fight. Here's what we do in America. Here's one thing in America. I love America. I'm a patriot. My dad was a Marine. But here's, here's what we do. We'll fight for our constitutional rights like there's nothing else, right? We will fight for the Ten Commandments to be in every high school in America as if you realize that the Israelites had the original copies and it didn't do anything for them. So you put the 10 commandments with a bunch of 16 year olds. It's not gonna change their heart, I'm sorry. But we'll fight for that. But will we fight with the same passion for the marginalized? Will we fight racism? Will we fight for justice? Will we fight uh, for the widow and the orphan? You know, oh, you sound—you sound like a—you you, know—that's a, a very liberal agenda. It's actually a biblical agenda. Jesus says, "Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites! You tithe, you're great tithers, but you neglect the weightier matters of the law: justice, mercy, faithfulness." He says, "These you ought to have done without neglecting those." Yeah, good tithe, that's great, but you should be doing these things too. See, but this is what we do. We kind of, we gravitate to our passages and we blow off the others, right? And so I'm not, I'm not picking on us, I'm just trying to get us to see we do the same thing. We kind of homemade religion it, right? Or we'll ignore even the, the big American passages like when Jesus says, you can't serve money and God, right? You can't have, you, got, you can't have two masters. You'll love one, hate the other, and we don't, we don't like talk about that, right? Because, well, I don't, I don't love money. I just love having it, but I don't love it. And, and, and so we just have to acknowledge, hey, sometimes we kind of, we'll go to the passages we're obeying, but we'll ignore the ones that, that we're not. And the point is, we don't get to do that. We don't get to pick and choose Right, God has revealed himself, he is flawless, he is good, he is perfect, and we don't get to determine him, he determines us. We don't get to pick and choose, I like this part about God, I like this part about God. That doesn't work in any relation, does that work in any relationship? You don't get to say to your spouse, I think you're really pretty, I just don't like your voice, I just wish you would just not talk. (laughs) Is that, how is that gonna go for you? It's not gonna go well. If it doesn't go, if it doesn't work in that relationship, this is God. Oh, you realize, I know we have this kind of like out there picture. Do you realize if if Jesus of Nazareth showed up this morning in his glorified body, the way he is right now, the way that Revelation 5 that we read earlier is where where they're, they're bowing down and worshiping, if he showed up, do you think you would go up and be like, hey, how are you? Oh, that's, you got a cute little robe on there. You realize when John, the apostle, when he sees Jesus, the, the glorified Jesus, just as a, in his fallen self, this, now this is his boy. John, the, John, the apostle, is Jesus' boy. He's the one that's like chilling out at the, at the Lord's supper, like leaning on him like they're talking. Remember, he's laying on him. He's like, hey, who's gonna betray you? Tell me. That's his boy. When he sees Jesus in Revelation one, it says he falls on his face like a dead man. He's just blown away. So you're gonna tell me that you're gonna go to hit that Jesus and say, I'll take this part, but not this part. Thank you very much, Jesus. This is the one who upholds the universe in his right hand, who speaks and exists. You just don't get to do that, right? I know it's kind of cool to criticize bosses and teachers and spouses and presidents and politicians and all that, and that's fine, we're flawed. But you don't get to do that to God. We don't get to pick and choose right? We get to follow. That's what we do, because he's worthy. And, and it's my job. Scripture is very clear what my job is to do, or whoever stands in this, in this uh, pulpit. It, Paul says, I charge you in the presence of God and Jesus Christ, who is the judge of the living and the dead. And he will, whether people like that or not, he will judge the living and the dead. And by his appearing in his kingdom, he says, preach the word, be ready in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with com- complete patience and teaching. Here's why. Time is coming, when people will not endure sound teaching. It's it's happening, it's been happening. And here's what they're gonna do. Having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their passions. They will find teachers that'll tell them what they wanna hear. Everything's great, you don't need to repent, you don't need to turn, just do what you're doing, you're perfect, you're good. That goes on all the time. And they're gonna turn away from hearing the truth and wander off into mist. It is the job of the person who stands here to not say, well, this is what I think. It's to say, here's what God says, right? And some people will leave the church. And I, I mean, I've offended people. I mean, some people I try to offend. I try to offend Georgia and Braves fans all the time, okay? <laughs> I, I have no sorrow or repentance for that. But some people will leave the church because I say something that Jesus said and they said, won't like it. And I, I have no choice, it's not my job. My job is to say, Here, here's what God's word says the best I understand it. Now, if I'm wrong, you can come show me. That's great. I, in fact, I would say, don't take my word for it. Right, you should be like the Bereans. Remember the Bereans in Acts when Paul shows up and he starts preaching? They're like, I don't know if I believe that. And they get their Bibles out, they're like, oh yeah. You're right. That's what you should do. You should, you should check and see, hey, is Fowler telling the truth? He says, the Phillies are the best team. I don't see that in there, right? <laughs> Just gotta take my word for that. But the, but the point is, it's my job to tell you the truth. Sometimes that's great, easy truth. Sometimes that's hard truth. But we don't get to pick and choose. We, we put ourselves under. That's what followers do. Anything else is homemade religion. And it's a, it's a recipe for disaster, right? Let's continue on. We'll fly. Verse seven, there's a young man of Bethlehem and Judah of the family of Judah, who was a Levite, and he sojourned there. The man departed from the town of Bethlehem and Judah to sojourn where he could find a place. And as he journeyed, he came to the hill country of Ephraim to the house of Micah. Levites didn't have their own property. They were supposed to be provided for by the people, but because people are doing what's right in their own eyes, this guy's looking for a gig. He's looking for a job. And so Micah said, where are you coming from? He said, I'm a Levite in Bethlehem and Judah. I'm going to sojourn where I could find a place. I'm looking for a job. He said, I got you a job. Micah said to him, stay with me. And and be to me a father and a priest, and I will give you 10 pieces of silver a year. Makes that 1,100 pieces seem like a lot, right? 10 10 bucks a year versus, that's why old boy steals it and she's all mad. Um, But 10 silver a year and a suit of clothes and you're living. And the Levite went in. And and he was content to dwell with the man. And the young man became to him like one of his sons. And Micah ordained him, because he can do that, I guess, because everyone does what is right in his own eyes. The young man became his priest and was in the house of Micah. And here's the key verse, verse 13. Then Micah said, now I know that the Lord will prosper me because I got a pastor in my garage apartment. And now he can pray for my meals and he can pray for my kids' SATs and he can bless me every day. What is he he saying? He's saying, I got a good luck charm. I got a pastor in my pocket, right? I got a rabbit's foot, right? That's what motivates him. Whatever helps him. Here's the second problem with, with homemade religion. It's just using God. It's using God. It's his Will Smith genie in a bottle, right? It's his Aladdin, right? And that's the core of, of homemade religion is I do this and God does this. This is really every other religion, by the way, in the world besides Christianity is I do my part, God does his part. It's kind of a, he rewards me, I do this, God does this. He kind of pays me back. Where the gospel is, you just do sin and God does everything and forgives, right? He does it all. Jesus paid it all, right? And, and so it, it's, he's, he's working on, oh, look, God, I'm gonna, now you're going to bless me. Now, we wouldn't, ne- I mean, again, we're a community Bible church. We would never use God, would we? I mean, that's other churches in the north, not the Bible Belt, right? In the, and not in the Bible Belt. I mean, we would never be like, I'm going to join a church now and... I may even start giving, and I may even start joining a community group, and and so God, just make sure you notice. Come, uh, come time when it's time to sell my house, or uh, come uh, time when when I'm up for the promotion, you know. uh, Just make sure you see that I've been showing up every week, just all. Or I'm not going to do what all my friends are doing because they're all bad and sinful. And so God, just make sure you see that so that when it's time for me to apply to UGA and and it's time for me to get into that school, then I'll get in. Just remember I was part of Young Life. I did Young Life, I did camp. Just look what I did. And, and I, I, I read my Bible every day and, and me, me and my girlfriend, we're, we're, we're staying pure. And so we would really like to have, I'd really like to marry a doctor, right? I'm, I'm doing my quiet time, right? So, so make sure you, you bless me on the backside, right? And, and we, we do it all the time. We just maybe don't even realize it. And it's all good and well until things fall apart. We were dating and we were doing everything right and we were faithful to each other, we were, we were pure. And now we can't have kids, we're infertile. God, what, what's the deal? We did our part. I've been, I show up at work every day, I'm respectful of my boss, I do the best, I don't steal and I get passed over from Roche, I'm actually getting laid off and that dude's gonna take the job? He's a dirt ball. God, what's the deal? I've been a good teammate, I've been rooting on everyone else, I help everybody, I practice hard and I tear my ACL and there goes my college career and this person, he's a, he's a jerk, she's, she's not, she doesn't deserve that. God, what's the deal? I've been praying for my spouse for five years. I've been faithful. I've been loving. I've been patient. I've been putting up with all this and they still haven't come to you. They still haven't changed. What's the deal? It's the same idea. I'm doing this so God will do this. I'm I'm trying to use God to get what I want, right? That's what Micah thinks it's going to go well now. The irony is it's actually about to fall apart. It's about to be a train wreck, right? He just thinks God's gonna do it because I got a priest. That's that's homemade religion. Homemade religion seeks to control God. True religion surrenders to God. Uh, Homemade uh, says, uh, I, I I want to get access to God to get what I want. True says, I have access to God so he can tell me what he wants. Homemade seeking my glory. True religion seeks his glory. And so the question for us is, which type is yours? Which type is mine? Because y'all, if he's if he's good and he's God and he is, and he is, then we follow because he's worth it. Because he's worthy. Even when things are tough, even when things are train wrecked, and it doesn't make sense. Remember, John, there's this great story in John 6. Jesus preaches this sermon and it's super hard for people to hear, and everyone leaves. He goes from a church of thousand to a church of twelve. He's got twelve dudes like, dude, what happened there? One sermon, you blew up the whole church, Jesus. And he says, You guys want to go too? You want to leave too? And I love Peter's response. He says, Where are we going to go? You have words of eternal life. Where else? Who else does that? And, and that's the idea. We worship and we follow because where else are you going to go? You got, he's got words of eternal life. Right? And even if everything else fails, you have him at his right hand of pleasures forevermore. And the irony here is this, y'all, and, and this is so hard in our culture where we have affluence and so much and so many opportunities is that we think that we're gonna be happy when we get what we want. I get the career I want. I get the relationship I want. I get the money I want. I get the property I want. I get the, my kids in the college. We think all those things are gonna bring us joy and the reality is this, that there, the joy doesn't come from those things. That'll fade. The joy comes when we seek His glory Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added. When we see him for the treasure that he is, the kingdom of heaven, like a treasure hidden in a field. A man finds it, he covers it up. In his joy, he sells it all. The kingdom of heaven's like a pearl that's of super value, the pearl of great price. He sells everything and buys it. That's where where there's gonna be true satisfaction. I know it doesn't seem like that, but in the end, that's where it is. Seeing him as the treasure. Right? Homemade religion sees me as the treasure, tries to use him to get treasure. True religion sees him as the treasure. And there's one more thing. Chapter 18. And we're going to fly through this one because uh, it's kind of one big long story. But here, here's what happens. Verse 1. In those days there was no king in Israel, and the tribe of the people of Dan was seeking for itself an inheritance to dwell in. For until then, no inheritance among the tribes of Israel had been fallen to them. They were given land. They didn't attack the land, and they didn't take the land. Chapters 1 and 2. And so now they're left wandering. They're nomads, right? Because they didn't obey God back in the day. So they send out some spies. Here's what happens. They send out some spies to find us some land that's good. And they, and they find a little city that's kind of isolated and it's got some nice property and the people don't have a, an army. And they're like, that's our place. But as they're there, they hear the voice of the, of the Levite in Micah's house. They recognize him. Like, oh, dude, I wonder, that guy went to my high school. And they said to him, what are you doing? He said, oh, I'm working for this guy. I got this great gig. I'm a priest. He says, okay, a choir of God. Please that we may know whether the journey we're on is, is gonna succeed. And he says, yeah, man, it's great. You've been disobedient all this time. God's blessing you, all right? Go ahead, yeah, you, you take that city. It'll be great. And so they go back to their people. They say, we found this city. It's a great place. They bring the army up. Verse 14, and as they're on their way, the five men who had gone out to scout the country of Laish said to their brothers, hey, as they're walking by Micah's house, you know that there's a... Uh, there's an ephod and household gods and a carved image and a metal image that guy's got. He's got his own little church. And they're like, well, what are we gonna do? I'll tell you what we're gonna do. We're gonna take them. Why? Because we can. Because when everyone's doing what's right in their own eyes, might makes right. Survival of the fittest, let's go get them. And so they turned aside. They came to the house of the young Levi at the house of Micah. They bring the army up, 600 men at the door knocking on the door. Standing at the entrance, they go in. The five men who had gone to scout out the land went up and entered and took, they start taking off the carved image. Ooh, the ephod, let's get that little jacket. Take the household gods, take the metal image. And then the priest is like, Dude, What are you doing? What are you doing? They say, hey, put, put your hand in your mouth. Come with us. We have a job offer for you. Would you rather be the pastor of a six person church or a 600 person church? He's like, ooh, 401k, 401k. A little house, two-week vacation, two-week vacation. That's a good deal.
1: So he takes the ephod and the
0: household gods and the carmen, and he went with the people. And they turned and departed, and they put the little ones in the front, and the livestock in the front. And when they had gone a distance from the house of Micah, the men who were in the houses near Micah's house were called out, and they, they start chasing after these guys. And they got the army in the back now. And they shouted to the people of Dan who turned around and said, what's the matter with you, dude? What y'all coming on all tailgating us like this? Why have you come with such your company? And he said, you take my gods and you, and you take my priest and you go away, what do I have left? How do you ask me what's the matter? You took my little robe and my little priest and my little God, you took all my stuff, dude. What do you mean, what's, your, what's my problem? And they say, don't let your voice be heard lest angry fellows fall upon you. What they're saying is, hush and go home or you're gonna die. And the people of Dan went their way. And Micah saw they were too strong. He turned back and went home. And they go up and they attack the city. They take the city. And the chapter closes. The people of Dan set up the carved image from themselves. And notice this. Jonathan, the son of Gershom, the son of Moses. Moses' is like grandson is the, the false preacher in this little church. It's how far they've gone. Right? And they, they set him up until the, uh, the, 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 the captivity of the land. And they set up Micah's carved image that he made as long as the house of God was in Shiloh. So that as long as the tabernacle is in Shiloh, they got their own little tabernacle. We'll go see next week. It just gets crazy. But here, here's the last piece. Right. Here's the last reason why homemade religion is, is, is a horrible recipe. Because eventually your God will abandon you. Just like it did Micah. Remember he thinks, God will surely bless me. And then what does he say in verse 24? I highlighted it for you. He says, you took my gods and my priests and you go away. What do I have left? How sad is that statement? You mean your little, little silver image? You're so upset about that and a little jacket. What do you have left? Here's how you know you have a homemade God. If it's taken from you, you think that you have nothing else to live for, right? That you're just, you, have, it, it, when you feel like you've been stripped and you have nothing. And sometimes you don't know it until it's too late. Right, that relationship. I feel, I can't believe we broke up. And you just feel like it's it's the worst thing in the world, a job, whatever it is. That's how you know it's your God, if you feel like everything is gone. And you have to ask the question, and here's, it's a hard question, but what if it was taken away from you today, your sport, your job, your girlfriend, your bank account, what would you, What if it was taken away, would you say, I don't have anything else. I got nothing. If, if you can put something in there, then that is your homemade God, whether you know it or not. Right? That's what you're living for. And, and here's the thing. Every little God, little G God, will eventually leave you. Every one of them. Every single one, whether today or in, in 100 years, will leave you. So if your God is to be accepted and liked, Right, and so you do everything to be like. Eventually, someone will dump you. Someone will reject you. Someone will slander you. It's going to happen, and it'll devastate you. If your God is your body, some of your, some of that, this is some of you. You've heard me say before, we should take care of the temple of God, right? Some of you need to be taking care of the temple of God. So I'm not saying don't exercise. But what I am saying is this. If your God is your body and how you look, you need to come to grips with the fact that you are going to sag, you just are. You're going to sag. You're going to wrinkle. You're going to gray. You're going to bald. As many of you are already there. And I am too. It's going to happen. It's a bad God. If your relationship, your relationship is, is that your God. The reality, and we don't think about this. Some of us are walked through this or have, is that if you were married, unless the plane goes down, one of you is going to be a widow at some point. That's, that's, that's a reality, right? That's, that's a huge, that's a huge money. Can't take it with you. You just can't. Someone else is going to get it. Your career, you are going to be, you're going to serve 40 years in a place and you're going to be replaced by a 26 year old dude from Georgia Southern who doesn't know what he's doing. But he's going to make a third of what you're making and they're going to be happy to see you go. That's going to happen. Someone else is going to break your record, take your position. Your property, your kids are going to sell it. They just are. They're going to tell you they're not, but you're going to be like, dad's in heaven. He don't care. Give me, show me the money. It's going to happen. Right? And so the point is, don't make them your God because they will leave you. That's what happens when you shrink a God down into that. And then you're always worried you're going to lose it. You're going to lose your money. You're going to lose your job. You're going to lose your looks. You're going to lose your health. No amount of money can buy good health. Steve Jobs could not buy his way out of cancer. Couldn't create an app for it. And he had more money than all of us put together. Right? So it's a lousy God. But see, when you surrender to the true God, you cannot lose him because he says... No one can snatch you out of my hand And the father who is greater than I No one can snatch you out of his hand I will never leave you or forsake you You may lose everything else But you're never going to lose him And he's never going to betray you Even though this is us We lose all these are bad people No, 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 this is CBC Chapter 17 and 18 is us And God still redeems And he still rescues And he still pursues That's because he's good And that's the kind of king We want to follow Right? The one who is willing and working For his good pleasure and so if you, if you got any homemade religion, and we'll close with this and we'll, we'll worship and respond. If you got any homemade religion today, you're using God to get something. You're this, today is the day to lay the idols down. The relationship that's unhealthy. Your career is too important to you. What people think about you is way too important. Money, whatever it is. See, the beauty of this passage is, is God keeps redeeming. He keeps rescuing. And he eventually sends his son to rescue these people and us, even though we're the ones who are chasing after other gods. We're the ones who are saying, I don't really like this about you, God. He still pursues sinners. That's the kind of king he is. That's why he's worthy of our worship and our allegiance, y'all. That's why the song says, and we're going to sing it, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. He owes us, he owes us nothing. The only thing he owed us was wrath. That's what he owes us. Because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. So instead of wrath, he pours out his wrath on his own son so that you could have life. That's the kind of God he is. And he's waiting for some of you to cast down your idols and start worshiping. So today would be a great day to do that, right? Today would be a great day to acknowledge that. So let's stand, let's worship, let's reflect, and let's sing. Let me pray. Father, I thank you that you have paid our debt in Christ. And I thank you that you love us despite the fact that we rebel and fail and wander and are prone to wander. I pray uh, just for our church. We are constantly gravitating to other things and we are prone to wander and we are uh, always seeking something else, always looking our hearts Uh, And and let us just rest in you, rest in your goodness. I know some people are are struggling, and and that's hard to see your goodness in the midst of struggle, but just to be reminded uh, that you are good, and you've proved your goodness, and that while we were sinners, Christ died. He came, he saved, and he will save, uh, and he will rescue, and he will redeem. And so, make this true in our hearts. Make us believe it. Uh, Give us the faith to see it in Christ's name.